Oh, praise God. You can be seated, and it's a joy to be with you today. And um, over in Portsmouth, we've got our celebration, our Christmas celebration, like you did last week, tonight. So there was no service for us, which meant I could come out and play, which was which great. And uh, I said to Steve, well, I'm going to come over and be a part of the service. He said, well, will you speak if you do? I said, yeah, that's not a problem as well. heard you had an amazing uh, week last week, last Sunday, where you saw so many of the community coming through. That's what we're excited about, isn't it? Eh? Yeah. New people discovering Jesus. You know, his kingdom changes everything. And this morning as we're worshipping, I was just so conscious the kingdom of God is amongst us. This isn't just a, a meeting like a train spotting club. The kingdom of God is amongst us. And the kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God's among you, you can expect supernatural things to happen. You really can. I was reading in the Bible this week where it said, Jesus said to his disciples, go preach the kingdom and heal the sick. Because there's a connection between the two. When the kingdom, when the rule and reign of God is present in a person or in a place, miracles are natural and everyday. Amen. Just felt someone today in the lower area of their back, the lumbar region of their back. We believe God heals, right? And uh, in the lower region, in the lumbar area of their back, even during that last song, you felt something happening? That's God touching your back in Jesus' name. Right now, healing coming to that back in Jesus' name. You just give it a wiggle. I believe God was working on it even before we mentioned it. And I also sense, this is strange, I don't know if I've ever prayed for this, someone's mind or memory being touched by God, a, a restoring of somebody's mind or memory. And that's a big thing in the day we're living right now, hey? And that's one of the sad things to watch when people lose the memory and the mind but I just felt to pray it comes back in Jesus name over your life there's a restoration not a degrading amen well Merry Christmas uh, from me and uh, from Gina my wife and uh, from your family down in Portsmouth and uh, everybody enjoying Christmas with all of its good bits and its some of its tough bits right um, sometimes there's some, uh, there's some bitter with the sweet of Christmas when you know, loved ones are not where they once were and uh, it's a big package and sometimes I think when you're a kid you only get to eat the sweet of the package and it's all presents, gifts but as you begin to get a little bit older you begin to realise that Christmas also has memories attached to it and some bits that can be a little bit ouch sometimes you know and he's the lord of all of those things and uh, we've made a decision in our house that we're going to enjoy the Christmas season. You say, well, that's not rocket science, is it? Well, it is for me. I'm a moment man. I don't know how you're wired, but I move really quickly from one moment to another, from one project to another. Steve will tell you, if I get a plan, I'll say, hey, I believe God wants us to do this. We get it done, we get it sorted, I've moved on. That's the way I'm, I'm very pioneering in my, in my, I thank God that we've got pioneers and we've got settlers. We've got people that say, all right, now let's get this thing working like it should work. Now, that's, I realised um, that's how I've treated Christmas most of my life. It's been about a day. It's been about December the 25th. And this year, I, I, I was spending some time with my wife, which is always good, right? That's an important thing for a healthy marriage. And... Um, and she said, Andy, I really believe God's telling us to enjoy the season this year. I went, oh, wow, yeah, there's a thought. You know, to a man that doesn't normally take time to smell the flowers, that was like a revelation. And she said, let's enjoy the season. So we've had carols on in our house. We've had stuff going on that we wouldn't normally do because normally I woke up on the 25th or the 24th and went, right, Christmas, let's get this done. <laughs> 
And I want to encourage you, enjoy the season. This week coming up, with all the struggles, with all the bills, with all the presents, enjoy Jesus in the midst of the season, not just the moment, eh? That's a good word. So Christmas greetings to you, much love, and our hearts are with anyone that is going through anything at the moment, a loss or something like that. Our hearts are very much with you. We've all been through those times as well. This is a moment where we're considering this Sunday what Christmas is all about. And it's that message of Jesus born in a manger, isn't it? That's what we're celebrating. Because so much of the other trimmings of Christmas can be disappointing, can't they? I mean, who remembers Quality Street when the jar was full? Is it just me? When I was a kid, you used to open a tub of... Okay, it cost you a bit, but you opened a, a, a tub of Quality Street, jammed to the top, that little green triangle smiling at you, jammed. Somebody gave me some the other day, and I think it was down to one layer on the bottom. Okay, the price is the same, but we're not idiots, right? Somebody tell Cadbury's, we're not idiots, all right? We know you're taking away the chocolate. At this rate, there'll be like one chocolate next year in a selection box there. Because the trimmings of Christmas can be disappointment, but Jesus is not disappointing. That new turkey recipe that you learned from Jamie Oliver, or one of your favourite chefs, and it turned out so well for him on the programme. <laughs> and then Christmas morning, you pull your turkey out and say, I did everything he told me. You, you can have disappointments. Certain family members that aren't there and those that are not behaving like they should. <laughs> Come on, Christmas can have its disappointments. It really can. But there's no disappointment to the message of what Christmas is truly about. But God so loved us, he sent his only beloved son to die for us, to pay for our sins, to give us brand new life. I love some of the old carols. I don't know if that's me getting old and Chris Mills getting old as well. You know? <laughs> I've got to throw him in there somewhere. I can't come and visit and not pick on Chris. But I just love some of the words. Born to, say, born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give us second birth. And uh, I love some of those words that remind us of the cross. So we're in a moment where we're remembering Jesus born in a manger. That's the essence. There's nothing wrong with the chocolate unless there's not enough in the box. There's, not enough, there's nothing wrong with the turkey, especially if it's cooked correctly. There's nothing wrong with family and tinsel. I'm not Captain Killjoy. I'm not the Grinch. We have a Christmas tree. There you go. That'll be all over Facebook by this afternoon. It, it's true. We love all that stuff. But for us, the centre is the baby in the manger. It's that not story, but true account of Jesus experiencing the wood <coughs> of a manger on his back as a child. And it's interesting because actually Jesus experienced three types of wood when he came to the earth. He experienced the rugged or the raw wood of a manger that was used for feeding cattle. He experienced the brutal wood of a cross that was used for killing criminals in the most extreme of ways. And he also experienced the smoothness of the wood of a throne when he rose from the dead like none other who claimed to be God could do and is seated today on a throne, king of kings. Well, actually, he experienced four types of wood, didn't he? Because he came down from heaven 
So his journey started with a throne because he was the word of God made flesh. Then he was born in a manger, an innocent, vulnerable child who came in the likeness of man, God incarnate, God in man. Then we know we come to the Easter message and the brutal moment where they take somebody who never did anything wrong and they brutally crucified that man and had no due cause because the due cause was ours. We should have been there. But the good news, he rose from the dead. So when I preach on Christmas, I can't leave Easter out because it's a whole story. So that's his journey, born in a manger, and that's a spiritual God being born to a natural life. Died on a cross for our sins. We preach that in family church. Exalted to a throne, now king of all kings. And we also know he's soon and coming king, don't we? The, I don't know about you, when I look at the world today, the thing's gone crazy, isn't it? You turn on the news and it's just a war here, a war there. Rumors of war, earthquakes, famines. Ring a bell. Because scripture tells us before the returning of the king of kings, these things can give us a warning. This isn't time to play, time, play games with God. So that's his journey. But look at our salvation journey. I was thinking about this when Steve asked me to come over and speak. I'm Pastor Stephen Kirsty Brilliant. Come on, you've got great pastors, haven't you? Well, let's give them some honour. And uh, for all that they do that you see, and all that they do that you don't see. Amen. We give thanks for, for you both. We love you both, and uh, so thankful for you. So we've looked at his journey, but also we have a salvation journey that's similar, but actually ours is in reverse order. He came to a manger, from a throne to a manger, from a manger to a cross, from a cross to a throne. Where for us, our salvation story says that we're actually born spiritually dead. And we need the cross to deal with our sins so that we can experience a manger, a new birth, so that we can have an assurance of a risen life in him, in this life, and the one to come. Isn't that interesting? We almost do a reverse maneuver of his journey. Now we know, for us, our journey doesn't start at a cross. Our journey, according to the book of Romans, starts with us not just being sinful. Sin isn't a problem when you're dead. And the Bible says our issue wasn't sin, it was spiritual death. We needed new life. A new life that could only come through Jesus Christ. I'm just, I'm just reading from a journal today, if that's okay. I've not got a, a message prepared for you. I just kind of got some thoughts I was scribbling down. So for us, our journey, his started on a throne, into a manger, to a cross, to a throne. Ours starts at a cross, where we acknowledge that Jesus Christ died for our sins. That's where our journey begins. Not a gospel of behavior modification, do this, God does 90%, you add 10%. A gospel or a journey that starts with each of us coming to a cross, 
and saying, Jesus Christ, because you died on a cross for my sin, I can experience a manger experience, not of being born naturally, but being born spiritually. The moment we believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross, a new beginning, the Bible calls it a new creation, experience, begins for us. We did nothing to achieve it. It came through faith in Christ alone. What did Jesus say about this new birth? Remember when he was speaking to the Pharisee called Nicodemus, the leader of the law? In John 3, verses 3, it says, But Jesus said to the religious leader, You must be born again. And the religious leader said, How do I get back into my mother's womb a second time? His mind was going Ten to the dozen, he was saying, if you can convince me to be reborn, you'll never convince my mother. <laughs> I was like 12 pounds the first time around. It's a bit different now. I'm big, I'm fat, I'm ugly. She ain't going to want me back in her womb, I can tell you that from now. And Jesus must have just smiled and said, no, there's another birth that comes. A spiritual birth where you become truly alive. And then the Bible says, when we're born again, when we have a cross experience where we believe Jesus Christ died for our sins, we're born again in a new birth experience, we then are seated in a throne experience. You say, well, where's where's that in the Bible? Ephesians 2, verse 6, it says, that we who believed are now seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? He went cross, what did he, you know, he went, he went manger, cross, throne. We go cross, manger, throne. Not when we die. The Bible says, and God has raised us up with Christ and has seated us with him in heavenly places. Now, I want to focus a little bit on the cross part of this journey. The manger, the cross the throne you say but it's not easter andy what are you doing that for because actually what happened at the cross was the purpose of the manger see jesus didn't come looking for a purpose or a cause he was called anointed and highly favored to achieve what he did on the cross something that didn't benefit him at all because he was already a king sinless it was total benefit to our account Now, the purpose of Christmas was Easter. That's why Easter follows Christmas. Now, as a church, family church, we have a number of convictions. Uh, One of our convictions is we don't preach ear-tickling messages that make people just carry on with their life as if nothing's happened. We preach the cross. We preach the cross. Listen to what Paul said. I love these verses. Paul says, May I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, by the world, it could mean the world, but it also means the system of the world that once had a grip on your life. The sin of the world, the things of the world that are anti-God, the anti-Christ, the alternate Christ way of living. Paul says... 
I boast in the cross with which I have been crucified to it and it has been crucified to me. Then in verse 15, he says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Now for us who are probably predominantly Gentile by natural birth, circumcision doesn't mean much, thank God. (laughs) But to a Jewish man, it was everything. And so much of a person's right standing was based on a physical circumcision. So what Paul was saying was one, radical, two, highly offensive, three, going to get him killed. Because he was a leader of the law, Paul. He wasn't some upstart. He was a leader of the law, top of the shelf. Now he was saying to those he taught, it's not about physical things like circumcision any longer. It's about faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we believe as Protestants, that's what we are in something called sola fide, which means faith alone. But others preach fide ete, which is faith and. A little bit of a Latin lesson for you this morning. The problem with faith and, it adds your bit, and your bit always ruins his bit. That's why we preach in family church a boasting in the cross. Not in the object Uh, I'm not romantic about the object. It was an executioner's tool. You wouldn't see me um, celebrating an electric chair. I celebrate the achievement of the cross. Where it says, no longer does circumcision or religious lifestyle produce a brand new life. But faith in Jesus Christ. I love those words. I preach the cross. I boast in the cross because when we boast in a gospel of behavior modification we're actually boasting in our potential right i did this i did that you're lucky i was involved god otherwise it wouldn't have happened (laughs) the reason that god chose not to involve you is that it could work then we preach not the cross as in the object because it was an executioner's tool We preach the achievement of the cross. I was with um, some people a little while ago. I was was preaching over in Alabama. Good barbecue in Alabama. Good barbecue food. And I was with um, some friends of one of my daughters. And one of them, I don't know if they were hinting or not, we'll see, was, what do you want for Christmas, Andy? Pastor Andy, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, oh, come on. I'm a father of five children. I've worked out now. I get nothing. They get everything. I'm not an idiot, you know. I learned that in the first couple of kids, you know. I said, if I was to get something now to answer your question, I think I would get a crucifix. And they went, oh, what, to remind you? To remind you of what Jesus did? I said, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Or maybe there's more to it than that. See, we preach the cross because we preach the achievement of the cross. What do we mean by the achievement of the cross? The crucifixion where Jesus Christ completely, utterly, and totally, without our help, paid for our sins. Jesus. Not Jesus and, not fides et, sola fide, God, Jesus Christ, without our help. He paid for our sins. 
And it was the sin that separated us from God, and it was sin that caused us to be dead. So if sin is dealt with, we're no longer separated, and we're now alive. It's good news, right? Good news. We also preached the resurrection. So we preached the, the crucifixion. This is what was achieved on the cross. We also preached the resurrection because every other person who claimed to be God couldn't stop being dead. But Jesus Christ, on the third day, rose from the dead... He's now seated king of kings one day to return to collect those who belong to him. Do you belong to him? Give me a wave. He's coming back for you. Isn't that good news? See, crucifixion was about payment of sin. Resurrection was about the giving of new life. Because his resurrection was actually the invoice of my expectation of new life too. Because if he didn't rise from the dead, I could have no expectation of new life. But because he did, I do. Not new life in heaven alone, but new life here on earth. Born again, born of the Spirit. But it's also the achievement of exaltation. Not only did he die for our sins, not only did he give us new life in resurrection, but he also rose from the dead, exalted. Which means if we believe he's exalted, we can believe that the Holy Spirit was poured out and that the Holy Spirit can now live in us like it did in the early church. I love preaching the cross. Not the object. It was an executioner's tool. But the achievement. But the other thing I like to preach about the cross is co-crucifixion. And now we return to the reason why I would wear a crucifix after being saved about 32 years now. Not to remind me of what he did for me. I've worked that out now. But to remind me I was co-crucified with him. That would be a good reminder, wouldn't it? Because my self-life, my stupids, only happen when I forget that my old man, who I used to be, was crucified with Christ. I've now been risen to newness of life. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, the cross would remind me of his achievement because I wouldn't be saved outside of what he did. I have no salvation in myself. I'm useless. I was an idiot when when he found me. If he left me, I'd be an idiot again real quick. (laughs) Everything I am is him. Every success in my life is him. Every victory in my life is him. Everything I've done well is him. And everything I did stupid was the moments I forgot that I wasn't that Andy Elms anymore. That's it. Leave me up here alone. Anybody else? (laughs) So we preach and we boast co-crucifixion. What do we mean by that? That we were there with him when he died. That he provided the death we needed. He provided the crucifixion we deserved. He He provided the pathway to new beginning that we internally longed for. So you say, well, where's that in the Bible? Well, thanks for asking. Let's take a look, shall we? Galatians 2.20. Now, if you've been in Forge like Sadie, you know this is one of my favorite verses. Why? Because I don't just find Christ in this verse. I find the real me. Listen to what it says. I have been crucified with Christ. Notice the tense, not I will be, I might be, I have been 
crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but now Christ lives in me. Why does he live in me? Because his crucifixion paid for the sin that separated me from God. The resurrection gave me the new life he'd promised. And the exaltation enabled the God who was outside to also be the God who comes to live on the inside. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Let's face it, the I that no longer lives was the problem and can sometimes still be the problem when we let I exist when I isn't in existence anymore in God's opinion. It's our self-life, isn't it? The Bible would call that sarks or the flesh of who we are. Me want. It's like a little golem or, 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 or smeagol living inside of us, you know. We want to give that person some money. No, we don't, does we? We want to do that person good. Oh, no, we don't. If you've never watched Lords of the Rings, you probably think I'm insane right now, but most of us have. But sometimes there can be that self-life that says, I don't want to do that even when we know God wants us to. We need to understand that ourself, the I of who we were, has been crucified with Christ. If he lives on, it's by mistake, not by God's intention or view. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, you know, Sadie, what verse I'm going to preach next. My all-time favorite, Romans 6. Sadie did a year in Forge Bible School with us, and uh, this was a verse you probably heard a lot. Because, again, it introduces us not just to the crucifixion of Christ, but to our co-crucifixion. It says, again, with such assurance, for we know the problem is that some people don't, and that's where they get caught into the issue of trying to sustain two lives instead of letting an old one disappear and a new one burst forth. For we know that our old self, the old man, that's what one translation says, my old man was crucified with Christ. Now in Portsmouth, that's got very bad ramifications for my earthly dad. Because in Portsmouth, when you talk about your old man, it's your natural father. Great classic hymns from London used to sing, My Old Man's a Dustman. They weren't referring to the old you before you died in Christ. They were talking to your natural father. For I know that my old man or my old self, the person I used to be, was, see the tense there? Was, not will be, not being, was crucified with him. So that the body or the person or the bits of me that were once ruled by sin, that had no choice, that were slaves to sin, might be done away with. There's nothing better for doing away with something than death, right? If you've got a mouse problem in your house like we've had, the greatest solution is death to the mouse. Death to the mouse. Sorry, I'm not going to catch it and let it go in the field. If I pretended, you'd know I was lying. Death to the mouse. I was sharing with Chris, who's Chris is big with boilers, <laughs> two weeks ago. And uh, it was brilliant timing because it was just before we were teaching on spiritual warfare. 
I had a new boiler fitted like last year. The other one lasted like 200 years and it was done. It finally gave up the ghost. And suddenly my new boiler went down and I got a boiler friend in, another boiler friend. Sorry, Chris, I have others. Um, <laughs> he feels ditched. <coughs> and he came in, he said, and it kept flicking the fuse, tripping it, tripping it, tripping it. And so we looked at the boiler, we looked at the hive, we looked at the thing that told it what temperature it should be. And we spent an hour going through this boiler, all right? And he said, I don't know what's causing it. I said, and you're the expert. And his son came in and said, let's give this some fresh ice. And he looked at everything that he'd done. He said, let's go beneath the floorboards. And the power cable had been nibbled by a mouse. I said to the boiler guy, you're going to bill me. That's a dilemma, because you should have found this, you know. We'll see, we'll let you know how that story unfolds. But it was a mouse, and I shared on the Sunday afterwards, I said, sometimes we can be so busy dealing with things above the floorboards so we don't realise that we need to have a prayer life that deals with things beneath the floorboards, that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but that's a different message. You see, God had a plan to remove by death the person that was ruining our life, the old man. He says, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for we know that our old man was crucified with him, so that the body once ruled, um, obsessed, driven in slavery, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We could also put no longer slaves to low self-esteem, no longer slaves to guilt, no longer slaves to generational curses. We could put a huge list there. Basically, we are no longer slaves to anything that had a grip on us before because through death we're liberated from the control of former things and released to be God's children. Unless we don't believe it, and then we go around sustaining two lives in some form of spiritual schizophrenia where one day we feel with this and one day we'll feel with that and we say, God, when are you going to help me? And he said, I already did when you died in Christ 2,000 years ago. Begin to own it, declare it over your life. Be who God's made you to be. Enjoy the freedom that you have been freed to enjoy. It's going all right, isn't it, Steve? How are we doing? Give me a wave, we're okay. All right, good, good. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. But also we need to understand that the reason that we can say we have been set free from sin is because we've been set free from the old creation we once were that was in opposition to God that didn't have the kingdom living in them. Through the cross, we weren't just buried, we were risen. See, the power of the cross is in faith and identification. That... His death, according to Romans, became our death. His burial became our burial, but also his resurrection to newness of life has become our resurrection too. That isn't what happens when you die and go to heaven. It's for you to know and enjoy now. Well, how can I know and enjoy that except that you were crucified with him? Number one, accept that he was crucified for your sin. Number two, accept that you were co-crucified with him. 
Now, I've kind of preached this for like 30 years, but it's amazing how God can bring you to different layers of something you thought you believed. Have you ever had that? Where you've spent like years going, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this, and suddenly God gives you an understanding and you go, oh my goodness, I don't know if I even believed at all because now I really believe. That's called revelation. And uh, I, was, I was preaching over in Manchester, a church, the Ramp guys in Manchester. I think it was around May time, May or June. And I was in worship. And as I was worshipping, um, I just saw this image of Jesus dying on the cross. And that's not a strange image to me. I've seen it many times. But all of a sudden, something strange happened. It went from Jesus on the cross to me on the cross. Let me just say... I didn't die for the sins of the world just before you get Facebook out. I didn't, I didn't say that. I saw me on the cross, and then I saw him on the cross. Then I saw me on the cross, and it was like a back and forth. And in that moment, I went from knowing at one level to knowing in another. Wait a moment. Yes, he was there. But wait a moment. Yes, my old man dead to sin, strangled by temptation, a slave to sin. He was there also. And everything that Christ achieved has become mine. So when we understand these things, this is where we find freedom. It's where we find separation from the world or the things that once ruled us. It's where addicts can walk away and be addicts no more. Haters can become lovers unforgivers can become forgivers it's a wonderful place because it brings us into a whole new world where God can do anything you see oh that we would see him in the manger and we would see him on the cross and we would see him seated on a throne today the grave couldn't hold him but at the same time oh that we would see ourselves on the cross so that we can experience the new birth of the manger and know that we rule and reign, seated with him today in heavenly places. Let me leave you with one of my favorite verses from one of my favorite old hymns. Born to save the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Oh, but we wouldn't just sing that, but we'd live in the good of it. Today, we live in new lives that he's given us that we never deserved we could never earn we could never pay for you see Christmas is about a gift and the gift that was given was the gift of salvation he's a good father he also gives the gift of the Holy Spirit gives the gift of righteousness all these things are gifts but if you're here today and you've never received the gift of Christmas the gift of salvation the gift of a brand new life if you've never been born a second time made spiritually alive to God I don't know a lot of you some of you I do I've met some new people this morning so I don't want to drive away in a minute thinking that every person here has prayed that prayer just in case there's someone here and you've never heard the gospel or you've never responded maybe it's your first time in church today on the eve of this Christmas before we get into all the festivities 
Can we pray this prayer together? Would that be okay? Just pray after me. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. Thank you that my old life was co-crucified with him. Old has gone. New has come. I receive the gift of salvation and look forward to unwrapping it. Thank you, Jesus. I believe in you and I receive you as my Lord and Saviour. Just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed. If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, maybe you've been away from God today. Maybe God's been leading you to this moment over the last few weeks. But as I count to three, if that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you, while every eye is closed, to do one thing for me. And that's when I say three, to lift your hand and say, I receive the gift. I receive that gift today. One. Two. Three. Is there anyone today that just wants to reach out and take that gift but hasn't received it before? wait a couple of moments there's no pressure there's no threatening it's a gift you don't threaten people with a gift you simply say would you like this it's yours for the taking Father we thank you today for the gift of salvation we thank you for the new birth we thank you for the old life crucified And we thank you that now, even if we don't even feel it, we are seated with him in heavenly places. Amen, amen, amen. Have a wonderful Christmas.